Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I'm excited today. We have a special guest, somebody in the Southern California area. So in our backyard, very excited to have this gentleman. He's been able to really scale tremendously the last few years and a big syndicator that has built up a nice, strong portfolio. But what's really cool and what we're going to talk a little bit more about today is, as you guys are aware, with my personal self, I love the Burr strategy, and that's buy, renovate, rent, refinance, and repeat. And I mean, long story short, it's coined from bigger pockets, but it's the infamous just value add strategy that has always been around. That's what all real estate investors are looking for something distressed, beat up, you know, the worst property on the neighborhood that you can remodel rent it out to a well-qualified tenant, and then get all of your money back out, have little to no money into it with a refinance so that you can cash flow and repeat that process. So this gentleman is going to be talking about doing the Burr strategy, but not on the little dinky stuff that I'm doing. And you guys might naturally (laughs) be thinking about on residential side, four units and under, we're talking about hundred unit complexes or bigger. And he's got some current projects that right around 20 something units that we'll talk about as well. But this guy is going to be just a wealth of knowledge that you definitely want to tune into, write down your questions and reach out to him afterwards. He's been seen on Bigger Pockets recently as well, which is cool. But without further ado, Andrew Cushman, what's going on, brother? How are you today? Oh, all kinds of stuff going on. Doing well. It's a good day. It is a good day, right? Every day alive is a good day. Another opportunity to make some big impact. And you've made a huge impact in the last few years. Anybody out there that doesn't know like more about your story or who you are, where you're from, do you mind just diving into a little bit more about yourself? I took the traditional path into real estate and went and got a chemical engineering degree because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know how. So I figured if I got an engineering degree, I'd at least have a decent job until I figured it out. Worked as an engineer for seven and a half years, like you, married the perfect business partner and life partner and all of that. And so, you know, we started trying to figure out, okay, what can we do? And we eventually discovered house flipping. And so, and so we started that in 2006. In 2007, we got our first deal here in Southern California and nice. we flipped it. It was a condo. And basically we made as much as I made all year at my job. And so I said, okay, this is it. Like yeah. it's time. So I walked in, quit my job. Went full-time into flipping houses. My wife joined me full-time two years after that. Make sure we had a little bit of transitional income coming in just in case. (laughs) We're full-time flippers for about four years. And then 2009 and 10 were great, but we said, hey, this isn't going to last forever. Everyone else is figuring it out and the equity is kind of disappearing and the market shifted. So we said, what's the next big thing? And we're like, well, okay, we just had a big recession. And that means we're going to have an expansion. So that means we're going to have job creation and income growth. So, okay, well, that's good for rentals. And half the country just got foreclosed on, which means they can't buy a house, which means they're going to be renters. So that's additional demands. We're like, all right, we got to figure out how to do apartments. So we asked a mentor of ours, say, hey, do you know anyone we could learn apartments from? And he's like, actually, I do. 
And he connected us with a guy who had done about 800 units. We hired him as a mentor. He held our hand through our first acquisition, which was 92 mostly vacant units out on the other side of the country in Georgia, which I don't recommend everyone do that type of thing as your first deal. Mostly um, vacant? What were the numbers on that? 75% vacant. Yeah, it was a, it was in bad shape. It was rough. Yeah. At a 92 unit. Yeah, they were out of a 92 unit apartment complex. They were collecting $8,000 a month, mostly in cash, by the way. So. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that first one was a tremendous learning experience, but it, it did end up being successful. And then we transitioned full time to apartments. And, you know, we've done about 2,100 units since all of those have been syndicated, meaning we pull investor money together. And when it succeeds, we all, you know, they get money and then we earn a piece of it as well. Yeah. And uh, it's, yeah, it's been a great business and here we are a decade or so later. So, I love it. You touched on a bunch of things. I do want to kind of go back to that first unit and I want to talk about the mentorship as well. You know, you found this guy that was crushing it and could guide you and, and give you that leadership of, you know, he's been there, done it. So save you time, save you energy, a lot less of headache and hopefully save you money as well. And that guidance came from a mentor of yours currently, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the guy that we were learning this, that we had learned the single family business from okay. or one of the people just happened to know someone in the apartment business. And it's very rare for this to happen, but yeah, basically the first person we asked got us yeah. perfect, the perfect mentor. Yeah. Very rare. You know, not every mentor or student is like right for each other. You really got to find that right fit, which that's mm -hmm. a blessing that you guys found that. And what year was that? And are you guys still working together today? Yeah. So we hired him in, I think it was late 2010. We got that first 92 unit in 2011. Yeah. And the interesting thing is we got along so well that, you know, and it was such a struggle for us to raise the money for that first deal that we were, huh? yeah, oh my, that's why I'm half gray is probably because yeah. of that deal. Just that deal. <laughs> that first one, man. I took a couple of years off my life, but in the long term, be worth it. But we got along so well with him that we said, you know, hey, what do you think about partnering on the next deal or two? And he's like, people ask me that all the time, but he goes, you know what? I really like working with you. So yeah, we can do that. So the next two deals that we found, we actually partnered with him and his partner. They helped raise probably, you know, half to two thirds of the money. Nice. And then now 10 years later, we're still business partners we still do deals together occasionally. So I love it. That's awesome. Now that's a real win-win situation, right? That's great. Uh, yeah. I could not imagine if it would work out better. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So what were those initial questions that do you remember? I mean, it, it's been 11 years at this point, but do you remember like what was going through your head that you couldn't figure out those, those missing pieces and that guidance really stepped up to help eliminate some of that problems? You know, we didn't even get to the point of, we got missing pieces. We just right off the bat, we're like, okay, this is going to be a whole new world. We're going to sure. go, we're going we're gonna to go get someone from day one. Like we didn't like start. And back well, you then didn't, you didn't like search around for any education at that time. Like you were very fresh new and you went right to an expert right, right away. Yeah. We just said, you know what, this is what we want to do. Let's just go find somebody like, yeah. and went straight to it. And back then, I mean, now there's about 6,853 boot camps you can go to, to learn multifamily. Yes. Back then there was one. There was Dave yeah. Lindahl. That was it, right? Yeah. And we didn't even know about him. We just got connected with this guy, Mike, and, and it worked out really well. So yeah, we actually didn't get to that. We just said, you know what? Yeah, we've been in real estate for four years, but let's just assume we know nothing. Yeah. And just go straight to 
shorten the curve by bringing in someone who can, you know, we can learn from all their mistakes, can, you know, yeah. and, and have them guide us and hopefully prevent us from, and again, plenty of mistakes were still made, but Always. yeah, we didn't even wait to figure out what we didn't know. We just assumed we knew nothing and went straight to finding somebody. That's so good. I love that. I think that really helps. Like you don't need to unscrew yourself and like really have to re- yeah. relearn things because it's like it, everything's brand new, which is great. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So let's talk more about that first deal. You know, you said you lost a lot of hair on that first one or gray hair. That being said, 92 units. How did you get it locked in? 75% of it vacant. That's a lot. Anybody that doesn't know multifamily real estate, you know, ideally, you know, it is about the value add, but you still want a good majority of these units somewhat filled, maybe just under, you know, paying under market price for their rent but something that is completely vacant, it's a big undertaking. It is. And so our idea was, hey, you know, this is a perfect thing to do basically a burr strategy on, right? It's a huge value add. We bought it for $699,000, right? 92 units for $699,000. This is in Macon, Georgia. Super discounted. Uh, yeah, it's it's in my now, and, and you know today I wouldn't buy in that submarket, but you know back then we were still learning, right? And just like, hey, this thing's heavily distressed. We can go in, we can fix it up, we can raise the rents, we can refinance it, and then you know give everyone their money back and and all that. And so as far as like how we found the deal, we said, hey, Atlanta looks like a great market that probably has a good you know, future ahead of it's going to be growing, job growth and all that. And that's still true today. Yes. And so what we did is we just started in Atlanta and we went on LoopNet, which was the commercial yeah. basically listing service. And I don't know if they have this anymore, but they used to have the map feature. We literally just followed the highway from Atlanta to different towns and started looking at listings that popped up. And we got to Macon and, you know, again, this is, we didn't have the screening procedures that we have in place today, but we got to Macon and we say, hey, there's this, this one broker seems to have like 80% of the listings in this town. And um, so we started talking to him and then he had this one. And I think the reason we got it is because, you know, he saw a sucker coming from a mile away. Like, I mean, this was tw- number one, this is 2011, right? Everyone was still scared of real estate and scared of apartments in particular. And so it wasn't like now where there's 20 offers. Like we could, back then you could find a building and be like, hey, I'll come look at it next month. Then I will take a month and let you know if I'm interested. You know, So I think he just saw a sucker coming. And we made an offer and, you know, we, of course, again, we were syndicating. We didn't have the money. We needed a total of $1.2 million to buy it, renovate it, close it, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, we start, you know, we ended up having to extend the contract, extend the contract because we were having trouble raising the money just because we underestimated how big of a network you need to have in order to raise money for that, especially again, back in a time when people were scared of real estate. What we ended up doing is we finally went to the seller and said, Hey, you know, there's a lot of deferred maintenance on this, which was true. And we said, we're not going to retrade you on price, but we want you to carry a few hundred thousand dollars so that, you know, to help lower our expenses. And he agreed to it. So that's how he finished off the raise. Yeah. And and got to the full 1.2. And then, yeah, we did. We renovated it. We filled it up. And I think it was two years in, we did a five-year plan, two years in, because we had stabilized it, we actually successfully refinanced it and, you know, gave 100% of the money back to the investors and then kept it for another three or four years and cash flowed it and eventually sold it for, we said we bought it for six, seven, 699 and then we sold it for like 1.71. 
I mean, there's some rehab expenses in there too. So it's not a, it wasn't a grand slam, but it was a decent return. Yeah, we successfully did the burst strategy on it and then actually repeated that. You know, we, we said, you know, we're not going to go quite this deep value add from here yeah. on out. Let's go just a little less headache, but, you know, Leave some meat same, on the boat for the next guy. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't be here today doing the deals we're doing now without that experience. And really, it's that, you know, the first deal is more about, you know, getting in the game and actually doing it to learning. And if you're bringing in other people's money, then it's, it's also about not losing any money. Not but you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's not about hitting a home run on your first deal. It's about yeah. getting that track record, getting in the business. Cause you know, the first deal is the hardest one. And once you get past that, it gets a lot easier. So I always like to think of it. Like I was shaking in my boots for the first, like three, right? The first three deals until you get that done, then it's like, whoo, it just starts getting a little bit easier. Like, Hey, I've done this. I've seen these documents before, you know, I can do this. To be fully transparent though, every time I get something under contract for the next couple of nights, I'm like, Oh crap, what did I do? Like I'll wake up at three in the morning and go check the rent comps one more time. Right. (laughs) And, and, you know, so I, and Kaylee at first I'm like, why am I, we've done a couple thousand units. Why is this still happening? But what I've come to terms with is I think if you ever get to the point where you're just a hundred percent confident and don't question anything, that's probably when you're going to get in trouble. Right. So so I, you know, I would say anyone who's like, Oh my gosh, I'm scared. Or I've got this fear of doing a deal. That's a good thing. You're on the right track. (laughs) Yeah. You're on the right track channel that say, okay, sit there. What am I worried about? Well, did I get the rents right? Well, okay. How do I figure that out? Well, I go, I'm going to go double check those rent comps for the turn. Use that to your advantage because then when investors come to you and they have the same concerns about that deal, you're going to already have checked into it four times. You'd be like, okay, well, let me tell you, this is, oh, okay, great. Right. So yeah. So use that fear to your advantage and don't expect to, at least for me, I'd say it shouldn't ever fully go away. I mean, it shouldn't stop you from doing deals, but it should also not completely go away, especially if you're bringing in other people's money. And that's the biggest thing right there. When you're taking on the responsibility of somebody's hard earned work, you know, money, their retirement in some situations, it's like you want to make sure that you are, you know, crossing every T, dotting every I, making sure that you're not missing anything. And when those concerns come up from a potential investor, you can answer confidently, boldly, right to the point because you have checked it a dozen times. And kind of like what you were saying, 2011, 2012 is when I actually got started working for a company out here in San Diego. And just like you were mentioning it, multifamily wasn't like the biggest thing right then because people were still very heartbroken. We were working on NODs at the time, like notice of yep, uh, same here. default. So a lot of yeah, pre-foreclosures, you know, and, and modification, stuff like that. So jumping in at that time, it's kind of a time that is slightly a little different. And yeah, so it's very unique. Also, you mentioned this broker originally you know, might've took you guys as some suckers in the beginning and sent you, you know, one of those BS deals that they can't get rid of on their portfolio, right? Now, this is very common. And do you still see this today? Obviously not with you guys because you have the track record, but do you see this potentially with other brokers or other new people just getting started? I mean, you bring up a good point. Anyone who's getting into the business now, expect that to happen, right? And, yes. and it's not that, you know, you, have to, you just have to look at it and try to understand it from the broker's point of view, right? It's very easy to be like, all oh, these brokers, they, you know, all, all they do is make some phone calls and they get a $300,000 commission or whatever. Well, they're making thousands of phone calls. Yes. Deals get taken from underneath their nose left and right in today's market. 
and they're just trying to get something closed and they're working their butts off to get deals put together. And so when someone new shows up, you know, they're just like, you know, from their perspective, it's like, okay, I got to spend my time on my existing clients that I know will close. Right. And so you, as a new person, you have to persistently and consistently show up. Yes. I mean, this could be six months, nine months. It's a long relationship building thing. And so, yeah, in the beginning, they're just going to send you whatever's listed. Yeah. um, Maybe whatever they, you know, in today's market, I don't think there's anything you can't. Nothing listed. Yeah, that they can't um, get rid of. (laughs) But they're going to send you whatever's getting the least amount of interest, right? Just to get you to go away, right? And, you know, you're not going to call someone for the first time and get like the best off-market pocket listing that they just uncovered, you know, whatever. That's not going to happen. But how you get to that point is that all that, quote, you know, I'll call it junk or whatever that they send you for the first six months. You say, hey, thanks for sending this. You look at it. You know, you take a legitimate look at it. And then you call back and you say, hey, thanks for sending this. Looks like a great asset. Here's why it doesn't quite work for me. This, 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 and this. And then what I like to say is, hey, and this is true. I would rather look at something that doesn't work than not see something that would have. Right. So, hey, you know, is there there anything else that I should take a look at or whatever? And so, number one, you're building the relationship Two, you're letting them know that you're not just someone who's going to disappear in in, in a month and and um, and uh, and waste their time. And then, you know, then you're you're honing your deal analysis. And but you're also I hate to use the word training because it has a negative connotation, but you're helping them to learn your deal parameters so that six months down the road when they talk to a seller who has a property, they're like, oh, this is exactly what Brandon's been looking for. I'm going to call him right now and say, hey, take a look at this before we list it, right? Yeah. That's how it works. It's a long process. It's not easy. You got to be persistent, but that's really how it works. I love how you bring this up because it is seriously the most important thing. If it's a sucky deal, like know that the first couple could potentially be, but it's so crucial that you do the underwriting for that deal. Send it back to them. Let them know exactly why it wouldn't work. Show them you're savvy and you're not just like a sucker that's going to be taken for advantage. So they'll actually know like, hey, this guy does know his numbers. He knows what he's talking about. And then you give them the ideal project of what you really are looking for. And the more you do that, then you're constantly going to be on their mind. And just like you said, you know, when they run into that perfect deal or whatever it is that fits your perimeters, then you can be first on their mind to get that that listing, which is great. Now, so let's talk about some of your other deals. And I do want to talk a little bit about raising money as well. But the birth strategy, you mentioned you've done this, you're doing the value add on all your projects, but you have a couple smaller for you. You know, you got 20 something units that you're working on currently. Yeah. And so, you know, we've done some variation of the birth strategy on probably 80 or 90% of our deals. And, you know, and keep in mind too, with that strategy, it's not an all or nothing thing, right? It doesn't have to be, okay, I refinance and everyone gets 100% of their money back success. Or if it's not 100%, it's a fail, right? No, it doesn't doesn't work that way. Especially in today's market, the odds of you hitting 100% cash out is very, very low, right? Nothing's impossible, but very, very low. And so like the last few years, what we'll do is you know, we've bought, you know, 100 units or 200 units. Actually, so when we did one that was 150 units a couple of years ago, did the value add, refinanced it, and the investors got like 40% of their capital back, right? Nice. Now they still have the same ownership percentage. And so they still get the same cash flows, but it's a partial burr, right? And then what you can do on larger assets is, especially if you're getting agency debt, 
you can get what's called like a supplemental, which is the equivalent on a single family of getting a second mortgage on your house. And sometimes you can get two of those, right? So you can do partial burr. You can do burr part one and then wait a few years and then do it again and pull out even more money. But then going back to the 25 unit that you mentioned, what we're doing is we're getting a bank loan and then we have private note investors coming in for a large portion of the equity. There is a significant value add portion to the property and that we expect in about 18 months to be able to refinance and pay off probably 60% of the private notes. And then, so, you know, someone like, oh, well, that doesn't work. What do you do for the rest of it, right? Well, the handful of solutions. One is you can either at that point bring in your own cash to cover the difference. Two, you could see if any of the current investors want to stay in and just keep getting the cash flow. Yeah. Or three, you can find new investors to replace them. Or four, okay, fine, just sell the property, right? So, you know, it's, yes, yeah, not an all or nothing thing. You've got four options. Yeah, you've yeah. got four legitimate backup plans to make it work. And so that's what we're doing. And we've done on everything from, you know, 21 units to 252 units yeah. is that Burr strategy. Because then when you do that, now you've got an asset where your risk is lower because you and your investors have less capital on the table. And by doing the value add, your basis is lower too. So it, it works really well. And we've also done, we also did one where we bought the entire thing with just private notes, did the value add and refine. And this was 2019, so fairly recently. And we did the refinance and we actually were able to pay off 100% of the private notes and take cash out of it. Love right. It. So it now, still can be done. When you say private notes, are you just talking about private money, but secured with a, a lean position? Exactly. It's a form of syndication, right? Sure. So, yeah. So and for, the, for those who aren't familiar, syndication is basically just you're pooling money from a group of investors to fund the acquisition of the asset. Yeah. And there's different ways you can do it. You can do the burst strategy and everybody, all your investors stay in the deal as owners. Yeah. Or you can set it up where the burr pays them off and they're no longer owners and now it's just yours, right? Depends on your goals and your investor pool. Now, what is your preference? I'm sure I, I know what your preference is, but what do you typically offer to you know team members or how, how are you guys typically structuring your deals? Yeah, if, if you're looking to scale an investment business out of it, yeah then what is most appealing to most investors is you refinance or do whatever version of Burr that we talked about sure. and they stay in the deal yeah. right? and retain their ownership. That is going to be the most attractive to the highest number of investors out there. And that yes. doesn't mean that you're getting nothing. You're getting a what's called a carve out or a percentage of the deal. And sometimes you get that without even putting in any of your own money, right? So that's one of the beauties of it is let's say you're like, well, I don't have money to buy my own properties or do any of this. Okay, that's where the Burr strategy partnered with syndication comes in, yeah. right? You say, I'm going to do all the work. I'm going to find the deal. I'm going to run it. I'm going to do everything. You know, investors, you provide the capital. You're going to get, let's say, 80% of the profits. And when this is successful, I'm going to get 20%. And then that's how you build your future wealth and income. And then eventually now you can take that and start doing your own properties in addition. Yeah. That's good. And is that how you're doing it? 80-20? It varies. Uh, it's yeah. been as low as 85-15 and as high as 70-30. just depends on the deal. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, that's great. I love it. Yeah. So, you know, a majority of people out there and kind of like you mentioned, like 
you know, a majority of people want to be in there for the long run for for tax purposes and obviously the cash flow. It's more rewarding for them for the long term. But it really depends if you could do the debt position model of cashing them out right away. And then at the end of the day, you're really, you know, you're not going to be able to scale the business like you were speaking of. You know, if you really want to have a a multifamily syndication business, then it comes down to giving them equity positions that uh, they're in it for the long run. Yeah, for most people. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be an either or. You can do both, sure. right? Some people just, hey, you know, give me X percent month every month. I'm happy. Yeah. Other people are like, no, I want upside in this, right? Yeah. And, you know, you depending on your network and the investor pool you build is going to, that's going to determine which way you go. But really, I'd say do both because different investment structures appeal to different people. That's so good. That's so good. I like it. What was one of the main things that you were struggling with in the beginning when you were building out, you know, the structure or just figuring out like, how am I going to be able to market this and, and be able to put this deal together? Was there anything that, that you recall, maybe certain players within like your team? Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, the team was really just my wife and I. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I mean, we definitely struggled with raising the money. You know, nowadays, it's funny, back then it was easy to find a great deal, very hard to raise the money. Now it's very easy. Yeah, it's exactly. It's the complete opposite. And it's almost never both, right? It's almost never easy to get a good deal and easy to raise money. It's usually one of the two. So back then it was very hard to raise money and very easy to find a deal with upside. And we underestimated how hard it would be to raise that money. You know, we didn't vet all of our potential investors well. We had a couple of people who we were counting on for large chunks and turns out they never even had the money in the first place. And, you know, as far as marketing it goes, we were doing 506B, which is refers to the SEC, you know, the regulations and we don't have to get into those weeds. But basically what that means is you're not allowed to advertise. Yes. Right. So we were just relying on our network and relationships and all that. And we quickly realized like, oh, crud, we're like a few hundred thousand short on this. And so, that, you know, it took six months of just like everybody that we knew, like talking to and, and oh, who do you know that might be yeah. interested in like, yeah, you have 10 grand. Okay, we'll take it, you know, and just, yeah, we really underestimated how hard it would be to raise the money. And what I would, what I would tell everyone, and fortunately for anyone listening today, it's going to be far, far easier. Because almost everyone has heard how great real estate has been and is interested in it. But when it's your first deal, lots of people will see your enthusiastic face and be like, "Uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm good. But when it comes time to write that check, uh, oh, you know what? Uh, I got to buy my grandmother a car or, you know, whatever it's going to be. So a lot of those folks on the first time around won't perform. So when you are going to raise money on your first deal, get interest or soft commitments for double what you actually need, right? So if you you need a million dollars to close, get commitments from people for 2 million, right? And once you've got an established track record and established business, you won't need to do that. Yeah. But in the beginning, get, you know, when you talk to somebody and they're like, yeah, I like what you're doing. And, you know, I've got 50 grand, I'll invest with you. Great. Mark that down, put it in a spreadsheet. And if you're targeting a million bucks, get $2 million worth of those people 
so that when you actually need them to perform, you'll have your million. Yeah, that's so good. That's really good. I've been in on the short end of the stick at uh, certain times, like a couple of days before closing. And, and it's not the best feeling. I'm sure you can imagine just like you've been through. Yeah. You know, is there anything that you recommend for raising capital? It's definitely changed over the last 10 years, how it, sure. how it's getting done. You know, it seems like the people who are easy, who raise the most amount of capital now are, you know, do so by just creating a following on Facebook, Instagram, social media, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff, podcasts, all those mediums. And, you know, and I would say it all comes down to networking and getting exposed to and connected with potential investors. Sure. And I would just say, you know, what is the way that, you know, out of all those methods, which ways fit best with your skill set and what you're naturally going to be good at, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, I love sitting down and having a conversation with somebody like like you and talking real estate, but I also don't want to create my own podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I am not a Instagram star. Like, I just, like, I don't think like, you know. You like, got the face for it. I'm sure with the background and everything, you could, you could do it, buddy. But yeah, I, I like, I just I don't you. think of, I'm just, it doesn't occur to me naturally to share like every moment of my day yeah. with like everybody on Instagram, right? Yeah. And so it's just not my skill set. Whereas I, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of people that have done really well doing that very thing. Yep. So, you know, so you can go on Instagram, you do Facebook, you do LinkedIn, you go to in-person meetups, right? Yes. And, but all what it all comes down to what regardless of what your medium is, um, is is number one, find way to add value. And that could just be like, you know, you know, someone meet you, you meet an investor at a meetup and you find out what they're looking for in their business. And it turns out, oh, they're looking for this type of deal. And then you see it's a deal like that. You say, oh, hey, I saw this, thought, thought it might be of interest to you and send it to them, like not asking anything in return, right? Yeah, no strings attached. Um, yeah, yeah, no strings attached. And just really just show up uh, again, whether it's online or in person, show up and talk about what you're doing. And it's less hunting and more, I guess, fishing, right? You want, I I think just talking about it, right? Like put the bait in the water and let people know, Hey, I'm here fishing. And then people will come, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you want people who are attracted to you as opposed to how people you hunted down, right? That's going to be a better relationship. And, you know, again, so how do you do that? You go to meetups, you talk about real estate, but also you, you can put out just, you can just put out educational content and educational content doesn't have to mean you got to go run a boot camp. No. Educational content can be like, hey, you know what? So this is something that I'm probably going to record in the next you know, day or two and just like put on LinkedIn or something. But so we in one of the states we invest in is Georgia and we got our property tax assessment and they lowered our property taxes. Right. When you does that dog. happen? You right? lucky dog. <laughs> Mine's no, going no, up. <laughs> no. It's strate- well, yes, lucky, but too strategic. One of the True. reasons we invest in Georgia is because Georgia is very business friendly and they are not aggressive with things like taxes, right? Yeah. And so that's, I'm going to say, look, here's our tax assessment we just got. This is why we invest in places like Georgia and not California, yeah. right? Because California will hunt you down for the last penny, whereas Georgia's like, hey, it's been a tough year. We're going to lower your taxes, right? So, like, 
that's one of the reasons we invest in Georgia. And that's why your market selection is important, right? You know, everyone loves Texas and rightfully so. It is, I mean, Texas is a great, great market. But one great country. Things, yeah, <laughs> great country. Well, I, you can't see it. But there's Big actually a, a framed photo of Texas on, on my wall here because I lived yeah. there for 10 years. Yeah, I, oh, okay. I, actually, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I actually love Texas. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they are notorious for property taxes. Okay crazy you know so so anyway so the the point of all that is is just something that comes up in your day-to-day prospecting and business mm-hmm. you can just share that right yeah. and be like oh hey cool you know what this contractor you don't say their name but this contractor just disappeared on me with half my money and didn't complete the job right you know so here's how you prevent this from happening with you right so yeah. you're you're the, not the stuff that you've learned in your current projects or past projects just be open and, and vocal about it you know a blog or whatever on linkedin stuff like that and that's where the value add of giving back to others they'll naturally be attracted to you like hey this guy learned a bunch of learning curves here you know he's probably not going to make this mistake again he's getting savvier let's see what, what we can do and invest with him yeah. And, and, the, yeah, and the difference is, is that number one, you're showing that you're out there really doing it. Two, you're showing you're transparent and trust and hopefully trustworthy, right? Yeah. But two, you're not soliciting. You're not saying, oh, hey, like I just got this great deal, you know, okay, which if you do that, there's there's regulations about that, right? You're SEC not soliciting. Codes. Yeah, SEC yep. codes. You're just saying, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. I'm being transparent about it. And if you do that consistently enough over time and build up a good track record, yeah, you know, you're gonna you're gonna be able to raise money. Yeah. And I always say this to people trying to just get started. Like I never focused on getting the money first and it might be backwards for other people, big, huge syndications. You should get your money somewhat in order before, you know, before you jump in, but nevertheless, you know, if you're just getting started, hunt down the deal, get it under contract, like contract, because until you have it under contract, you don't have anything. You don't have any type of ownership. And then you can raise the funds because if you have a good deal, you just need to talk about it and people will come and want to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, these days, a a great deal is like a homing pigeon, right? Yeah. (laughs) If if you've got a homing pigeon and you send it out and it doesn't come back, you didn't lose a homing pigeon. You just lost a regular pigeon, right? That's right. So today, if you get a great deal and you put it out there and you can't find any money for it, that just tells you you don't have a a deal. Exactly. And that's, it helps you out even more because then you didn't, you didn't take the loss. Uh, If nobody else wants to invest in it, then obviously it's not a good deal. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. If you, if in today's market environment, if you get, if you make yourself a really good deal finder, Mm -hmm and you get a great deal, you'll find a way to find, it might not be the traditional route of, oh, hey, go out to the, you might just find, you might just, someone just might bring it to you, Brandon, and say, hey, yeah. I got this great deal. And you're gonna look at it and go, this is a great deal. You know what, I'll raise the money, you do this, let's partner, done, yeah. right? So yeah, that's it. today it's more about the deal. I love it. Andrew, you are the man. I could talk real estate with you all day. You got a ton of knowledge and just a great personality. So it's really cool. And I'm just super thankful. I know the audiences as well. You just gave almost an hour of your time to add value into their lives. Is there anything that, you know, myself or any of the listeners could do to actually give value back to you? Well, actually, you know what? If you're looking to get in the business, if you find a property that fits our parameters, which is now 80 to 250 units in the Southeast U.S., our website, vpacq.com, or just Google Vantage Point Acquisitions, and you can contact us on there. If you find something like that and we haven't looked at it and we end up buying it, we'll make a partner in the deal. Love that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, definitely, because today it's about the deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, finding the good deals. And so, you know, that's one way. And then if you just want to reach out and further conversation, whatever, uh, you can connect on LinkedIn. Although don't message me on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is, seems like it's just nothing but spam. Like it's, I, it's insane. It's ridiculous. Uh, I don't even look on there anymore. We have uh, a social media team that handles it, but it's like ridiculous. But yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, but if you actually want to connect that, go to the webpage, do the contact us form. And that actually does come into our, you know, our inbox and, and yeah, happy to have a conversation. And, uh, you know, I just want to encourage you. It's not an easy business to get into, especially these days but it is worthwhile. It's, yes. it's worth the challenge. Uh, yeah. So. It's not going to make you a millionaire overnight, but at the same time, it's so, so freaking rewarding. And the freedom you get, the life changes, the impact that you're making on communities, it's something to be proud about. And yeah, it shouldn't be overlooked. So, so very cool. Any other social media links or how people can get a hold of you besides the website? Yeah, I mean, we are, Instagram is Vantage Point Acquisitions. Like I said, you won't see it. I, I'm trying to get better about putting some stuff on there. But, you know, of course, our bigger pockets. And probably the best is just yeah, is just connect with us on the website. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I love it. Well, Andrew, I appreciate you so much, brother. I really do. Definitely looking forward to building the relationship more with you. I mean, we're in the backyard together. So yeah, we, we, gotta, we gotta link up soon. But with that being said, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Guys, reach out to this gentleman and he just, you know, dove into so much knowledge. He's got a wealth of knowledge. So you definitely, you know, any questions that you might have, reach out to him at the website. And if you want to connect with me, you can always do so at facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. Otherwise, Instagram, it's Brandon Elliott Investments. And then if you need any credit repair done for you services, then it would be creditrepairmobile.com. If you're looking to get educated with credit, then uh, and really build up some huge funds, several six figures, even up to seven figures in funding, and then be able to leverage it into real estate like we have or Walmart automation stores and so forth, other businesses that you might have going on, then you can apply at creditcounselelite.com uh, into our mastermind group. and We can take it from there. But uh, otherwise, make sure you hit that subscribe button for Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast so you get the newest notification every single Monday and leave a review. We greatly appreciate any feedback that you guys give to us. So with that being said, we will see you guys on the next episode next Monday. And Andrew, you are the man, brother. I appreciate you so much. God bless. Right, thanks. It was good talking with you. You as well. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.